Thank you, worship team. Genesis chapter 3. Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 in your Bible this morning. Genesis 3 will be our text for today. Now, as you're turning there, let me just say a few things, pastor to people this morning, that we need to be mindful of. Next weekend is our Christmas pageant, Friday night, Sunday night, Friday night at 7 o'clock, Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Now, we do need to make sure that there's number of us that goes Friday night so we don't all come here on Sunday night with our guest and then not be able to have room for people. And so let me encourage you to think about it, if you possibly can, to come on Friday night. Anybody planning to come Friday night right now? Listen, put your hands down just for a second because last service I said that and half the cast of the pageant was going. Well, I know you're going to be here, but if you're going to attend Friday night, would you raise your hand just a second? Let me kind of get a Look, well, that's a good number of people there, all right. Well, thank you all for that. And, and so we want to invite people to come with us and uh, ask that the Lord would just really speak to their hearts because I have, I've talked to some folks. I've not been to one of the, the uh, practices yet. I will this week. Uh, and by the way, if you're in the, the pageant, please, please, please be there this week, especially tomorrow night because tomorrow night there's it's the night to work out the kinks. And, uh, and if you're not here, then you're not going to know how to work out the kink. And, and so please be here for that. And I know there's a million things going on, but if we can just make that a priority, that would be a huge help uh, in, uh, in helping things to go smoothly and well Friday and Saturday night. I'm thankful for everybody that's volunteering. I'm thankful for all those who are leading this. And just a blessing to have you do this. And I know God's going to use this. And so what we need to do is invite people to come with us. Uh, and ask the Lord to speak into their lives and let them just hear the gospel and see the gospel uh, acted out and, and sang about. And then we'll also, I'll give an invitation, I'll give the gospel message there also uh, right before the last uh, scene there in the pageant. So um, please pray about that. Pray for God to use that in a great way. Then the second thing I want to talk about is um, our capital campaign, Big Sunday, is going to be the 17th of this month. That's going to be the day that we, that we come prepared to sort of take our commitments to the Lord. And we're asking the Lord to show us what kind of offering can we give, like a one-time immediate impact offering we can go ahead and give on the 17th. And then what is it? that the Lord would have us give on a monthly basis in 2024. Remember, our goal is to have as much paid off as possible by the time our note comes due in June of 2025. And if we just doubled our payment between now and then, I think we'd be somewhere around a half a million to 600,000 would be what would be left just if we just simply doubled our payment. Uh, and that would, be, uh, that would be great. But if we just we, we give, and who knows how God will provide. Matter of fact, if we'll be open also... Next year to say, if we have some extra coming in, okay, Lord, I'm going to give that toward that. See, God provides seed to the sower. Uh, and so he, he always is providing, so we, we give to his kingdom work. Uh, and so uh, on the 17th, we'll come, and I've got some of these cards here in the sanctuary today. They're back there by the uh, sound booth. And it has a, a couple of spots here to put down a first fruits offering. That is, that's what we're going to bring with us on the 17th. And then the other box is for what we, by the help of the Lord, the best of our ability, will we'll give on a monthly basis in 2024. Now look, 
uh, if something happens and you don't do that, you know, nobody from the finance team is going to come knocking on your door or send you a letter. Hey, <laughs> this is just a way in which we're honoring the Lord. We're trusting that he's going to do what he's put on our heart to do. Uh, and so uh, that, that'll be a special time. So pick up one of these. We'll have more available next Sunday. Um, and so uh, on your way out. Then finally, before we pray and dig into the message this morning, let me just press this this morning on our entire congregation the need to be involved in engaging the scriptures in 2024. I want to encourage every one of us to be involved in spending time in prayer and the study of God's word every day. That we have a set aside time daily to spend with God through prayer and his word. Now, our year reading plan will be available. And so you just take that plan and just begin to read that those daily assignments throughout next year. Now, here's what I know. I can tell if people are growing or not if I ask this question. Are you spending time in the Word of God and in prayer every day to live out God's Word? And if the answer to that question is no, then what I know is you are not growing. Because the Word of God says that we're to crave the Word of God like a newborn babe craves milk, that we might grow thereby in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. So if we're not engaging the Word, we're not growing. We're not taking in the nourishment. We're not, we're not getting close in fellowship with God. He's not teaching and, and speaking into us because He uses His Word to do that. And so I'd encourage us, if we would spend time next year every day in the Word of God, it will change your life. It will have tremendous impact upon you. There's going to be good days and bad days with that. And there's going to be days that everything is coming around and you think, I don't have time for this. If you will discipline yourself to do this, it will make a significant impact in your life and draw you closer to the Lord and bring about transformation in your life as you take this serious each day. So please... Please, please do that as we begin to face this new year. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray once again for you to help me to preach this message. I can't without you. Thank you, Lord, for giving me power in the last service. I am weak and incapable of doing anything apart from you. I cannot do this without you, Lord. There's no way. So I ask you now to give me a clarity of mind and a clarity of speech and Help me to be able to communicate the Word of God with, with a faithfulness, and I pray that you will take away distractions. I pray you'll get hold of our hearts and minds. I pray you'll enlighten us, Lord. I pray you'll give us, Father, a word from you this morning, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 19 is our text for today. Now, I love Christmas time. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Now, I know that sometimes the holidays can be difficult, especially if there's been loss in your family or maybe there's been some things that happened when you were younger. And every year when the holidays come around, it reminds you of some of those things. And I, I, I understand that and I, and I always hate that for people and I want to be sensitive to that. But for the most part, uh, probably many of us, maybe most of us in this church family uh, love Christmas time. I know many of you do because many of you have had your Christmas trees up since November the 1st. I saw it on Facebook. You've been listening to Christmas music the entire month of, of November. So I know that you have 
uh, you know, a love for uh, this season. This is usually a time of year that's filled with festivities and family gatherings and, and gift giving and helping others. And it's a time that we reflect on Christmases of the past with warmth. At least I do. That's one of my favorite things to do this time of year besides focus on Jesus is, is to just remember the past and just think about some of those times. It gives me that warm feeling inside, that nostalgia as I think about some of the joyous Christmases of the past. But it's also a time that we make new memories as well. But as Christians, there's a very special focus that we have this time of year. We focus on the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God, God the Son, became flesh and dwelled among us. That is when God the Son added humanity to his being and became human and came to earth for a purpose. A purpose to redeem the lost so that all who believe in him would be forgiven of sin, reconciled to God, and have eternal life. And as we enter this Christmas season, we need to reflect on its meaning. And when we reflect on its meaning, we don't really start with Joseph and Mary. We need to start with Adam and Eve. We don't really focus and start on this glorious announcement by an angel that a Savior will be born but we focus on a fallen angel with a deceptive message. We do not begin this season with uh, shepherds in a field, but a serpent in a garden. The Christmas story begins in Genesis, not in Matthew and Luke, not around a Christmas tree, but around a very different tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we've got to go back to the garden if we're really going to get a grasp and understanding of why this time of year for us as believers is so special. So look with me now in your Bible, Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman who you gave it to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. 
So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now sin resulted in the curse, but in Christ there is hope. And that is the main idea that I want to get across to us today. Sin resulted in the curse, but Christ in Him there is hope. Now I want to walk you through this narrative of Scripture and bring out some application for us and help us get an understanding of, of why we celebrate this time of year in, in a greater depth. Now, without warning or any special segue, the Holy Spirit of God inspired Moses to write down this account, and suddenly, you know, after going through the creation account, there's this strange transition in verse 1 of chapter 3, and we, uh, we read these words, The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And what's even more uh, kind of a shocking about this is this serpent speaks to the woman. Now, the first thing we need to know is who is this serpent or what is this serpent? I do believe that there was a, a real animal there, and, but there's something more than just an animal at play here. Now, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 that the serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So the Word of God there and also in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 2 identifies this serpent as Satan. Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 13 through 19 tell us that Satan was in Eden. Now what's so unusual about this for us is that this serpent speaks and Eve doesn't seem to think that's a problem. <laughs> Why is that? Now some have opined that because maybe before the fall there was this ability that some, at least some animals had to communicate with humans or maybe it was because uh, Eve being newly created was unaware of all the things around her and she being by herself was confronted by this and did not think it was strange because she was just naive to the things uh, being, so, uh, being so new to them and uh, there was no alerts or warnings that went off about this situation. We simply don't know. But what we can conclude is that Satan was possessing this serpent, using this serpent as a mouthpiece to be able to communicate with the woman. Now let's take a moment to talk about who Satan is. Satan is an archangel, was, and he rebelled against God. And because he rebelled against God, he lost his exalted position. And um, 
Ezekiel 28 and also in Isaiah 14, we find uh, these uh, accounts taking place where Satan desired to exalt himself to the position of God. We see in Scripture where a third of the angels were convinced by Satan to become part of this rebellion against God, and so they did so. They rebelled against him, and of course, that's a futile act. You cannot dethrone God. And so they were actually dethroned from their positions, so to speak. And being cast down to earth, maybe when he confronted Eve, and that was his way also to get to Adam, he thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to attack these very creatures that are made, the only creatures made in the image of God. God has placed them in a special position. He has given them dominion over the earth. They are to rule over the earth, and I want to disrupt that. Maybe I can get them to follow me, and I will rule on this earth. And, and I still believe today, even though time and time again he has failed, he still thinks he is going to be able to dethrone God in some way. When you read the book of Revelation, you also get that indication as well. So he is filled with pride. Not only is he the master deceiver, but he has also deceived himself into thinking uh, such a thing. And so he confronts Eve. Now, what I'm about to talk about these next few moments, I believe we need to pay very close attention to as the people of God because Satan has not changed his tactics at all. He may not use a serpent, but he is still using the same tactics today that he did with the first human beings because they work on us. We're even more vulnerable these days, human beings are, because of the fallen state in which we are. There's two things that Satan always tries to do. Number one, he wants us to question the authority of God's Word. Number two, he desires us to doubt the goodness of God. That's always been his strategy, and that is his strategy today. And that's exactly the strategy that he employed on Eve. Now, notice in verse 1, the Word of God says this, Has God indeed said? You see what's happening here? He is leading her to question the authority of God's Word. Even really understand, is this, is this really what God meant? Is this really what He was saying here? Now, the enemy still uses this today, doesn't he? And we, maybe not again through the serpent, but through other people, through teachers, through social media, through thoughts he puts into your mind and my mind at times to question the authority of the Word of God and to question the goodness of God. He is continually doing this. And this can be a very, thing, a very dangerous thing if we do not respond the way God desires us to respond. And the way to respond to such things is submission to God and adherence to His Word. It is to focus on Him and His Word and the truth of it. The Bible tells us to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Bible tells us that we should be alert, we should be, we should be um, sober and vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The word sober there speaks of having control. It speaks of a control of the mind. And there, there will have to be an understanding that there will be a battle for the mind uh, in life. And so what we have to do is focus on the truth of God. 
And when the enemy comes against us, we continually... And if we continue to do so and obey him, then there is a, then there is a fleeing of the enemy eventually. Peter said it this way, that we're to resist him in the faith. Um, James said we are to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. In James chapter 4 and verse 7, something clicked within Eve. Either Adam did not adequately explain the command to her that God gave him in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, or the tactic of the enemy began to work on Eve. Because what we see when she responded back to the enemy, by the way, it's never wise to have a conversation with the enemy. <laughs> we just stand fast on the truth of God. So here's what happened to her. There was something in her that began to change as the enemy's tactics and his attack began to work on her. When she repeated back the command of God, she did two things she shouldn't do. She took away from his command and instruction and she added to it. And it began to show how the desires of her heart were beginning to come up and, and they were beginning to be more important to her than the word of truth. And so the first thing she did is she left out the instruction given by God to Adam that, that he had been given freely, to eat freely of all the trees in the garden. See, what God was saying is, I want you to know, Adam, what all I've given you here. I want you to look at all of this out there. This is what you have, but, but don't, you know, don't, don't mess with this. Now, she left that out because I'm going to tell you what will happen. When the enemy begins to tempt our desires, what he wants us to do is not focus on what all God's given us. He wants us to focus on what we feel we're restricted from. And that's what he always wants to do when he is moving against us. And then here's what else she said. She added something. She said, nor shall you touch it. Well, that wasn't in the original command. So she's adding. You know what she's doing? That's a sign she's focusing more on what's been restricted from her. She, she's, she's laser focusing in on that. And then she said, you know, but if we eat this, we're going to die. And then Satan does what he does so often, and that is to absolutely deny the Word of God. He said, you will not surely die. You know what he did? He called God a liar. He flat out called God a liar, and he, and he continued to press her. In verse 5, he continued with his deception, and he said, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. That's what all of us really want to be. In case you're wondering what's wrong with you sometimes, here's what it is. We all want to be God. We want everything to revolve around us. We want to always have our way about things. We want people to cater to us. We want our desires to be lived out. We want, it's all about our pleasure. That's our problem. We are full of self. And I'll tell you this. Satan doesn't care if you acknowledge him and become a Satanist. He, he'll, he, he's fully satisfied if you just get focused on yourself. If I just get focused on myself, he's fine with that because we've, we've made ourself God, and he's gleeful with that. So he says, For, for God knows that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he said, You know, God's keeping some knowledge from you right now. 
and he knows that. He doesn't want you to have this knowledge. So there, there's a little bit of truth in there. there. There was some things they didn't know. They didn't understand really uh, evil. Well, you know what? When they found out about evil, it wasn't what it was cut out to be. Having this knowledge and this understanding wasn't what it was. They, see, Satan never tells you the consequences to these things. He's always wanting us to focus on our will be done. And God is saying, I want you to focus on my will be done. Now, God placed that tree in the garden, did so for a purpose, to remind Adam and Eve that he is sovereign over them. The main point of their existence is to glorify him. He has given them great purpose. He has given them great provision. Uh, and what they were do is to not forget God, but to honor him. And the way they could do that in the garden was to obey the command of God. Accept everything God had given to them and stay away from what God said stay away from. Again, Satan is always wanting us to focus on whatever desires we have, contrary to God's will. He wants us to focus on self. He wants us to focus on our deviant desires. He, he wants us to be in touch with what we want to do more than the will of God. I'm going to give you a couple of verses that meant a lot to me after the Lord saved me, and they're found in 1 Peter chapter 4, and I only have one of them on the screen for you, and that's verse 2. But verse 2 is describing saved people, <clears throat> and here's what he says here, what Peter wrote, that he no longer should live the rest of his time, and that he refers to people who are saved, in the flesh for the lust of men, that is, you don't live for your desires anymore, but for the will of God. And he goes on to talk about, and this is what impacted me so most he lists out a list of sins this is you spend enough time living this way now live the rest of your time here for the will of God and that's exactly what God desires uh, of us when he redeems us and so he tells the woman if you'll eat you'll be like God knowing good and evil and, and so the woman saw now I want you to notice something here <clears throat> she saw that the that the the fruit was good for food. So what she's, it's desirable for her flesh. Reminds me of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. The Bible tells us there not to love the world or the things uh, in the world. And the Word of God gets, says in verse 16 that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those things are of the world. So all three of those things are in play here with Eve. She sees it's good for food. That's to satisfy the flesh. So the lust of the flesh was in play there. She said it's pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eyes, I want that, is in play there. And then she saw it was good, uh, desirable to make one wise. And so she saw the pride of life there. And so she's wanting to elevate self uh, once again there and, and to put herself really almost become in the same spot that Satan was in. Always wanting to exalt ourselves to the position of God. Again, he always wants to make life about ourselves, not the will of God. So the woman took and she ate. No one forced her to do this. This was of her own free will. She was responsible for this act of disobedience. Even though she was deceived, uh, she was still responsible. And then she gave to her husband, verse 6. And uh, there's a difference between Adam's sin and her sin. 
Her sin was one from deception. His sin was one from blatant willingness. He heard the command of God. And what he did is listen to his wife and not listen to God. And Adam blatantly rebelled against God. Now, that's significant because, you see, Adam is the head of the human race. Even Eve herself was taken from Adam, remember? He was taken from his side, and he fashioned uh, Eve. So that means every human being that's ever existed has descended from Adam, him being the head. And that's so significant because that means every one of us have inherited the sin nature. We have been tainted by sin because we've all, um, we've all descended from him. In verse 7, the Bible says, they received their knowledge, and that knowledge, again, was not what they thought. They were overcome with shame. They recognized their nakedness, and they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And I'm going to tell you something. You can, never, you can never deal with your own shame because shame comes from sin. And we need to take sin to God and let him cover us. And that takes care of the shame. And so they try to use fig leaves. Then they hid out uh, from, from God. Now, they had everything they needed. They had everything, uh, every ability to deny this and not to give in to this temptation, but they, they blew it. And they blew it not only for themselves, but they blew it for all of us. <laughs> In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So every human being has sinned. All of us have inherited sin, the sin nature. All of us have acted uh, on it all. Now, in light of what I've just said for these next few minutes, I want to talk about two things we need to understand from this text. And here's the first thing. Sin brought the curse. Remember, this subject we're dealing with today is the cry of the curse. And this series called The Cries of Christmas. The cry of the curse. Well, because of sin, the curse came. And because the curse has affected all of earth and every human being, we're all crying out to be reconciled and delivered from this. Adam and Eve, verse 8 says, heard God walking in the garden and they hid. And God says, Adam, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was. He's a sovereign God. He knows everything. But he's giving... Uh, he is giving an opportunity for, for Adam to respond to his call to come to him. And Adam says, I, well, we heard you. Lord, we heard you, but we're naked and, and we're fearful. So we hid from you. And he said, who told you that you were naked? The, the innocence was lost now. Who told you that? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat from? And Adam's response was, well, it was that woman you gave me. <laughs> she, she gave and I ate. Did, did, Eve, what, what, what were you thinking? Well, the serpent deceived me, she said. What was God doing here? He was calling them out to repent and come to God for deliverance. Sin brings the curse. 
Sin will bring shame. Sin brings separation from God because of guilt. Sin brings suffering. Sin brings sorrow and death. All of creation begin its decline and decay. All of us, when we reach a certain age, we begin to die. One might even say the moment we're born, we begin to die. And that is true. There, there's also a, a time where you're growing, and then all of a sudden you get to a point where it's only been a couple of years since I've passed that age mark, but you, you eat a certain time and, and you just begin to die. And so every day you're, you're just you're dying. Now, in verses 14 through 19, God began to deliver this curse and began to let them know the ramifications, the consequences for their sin. Because, see, you can't sin against holy God, a just God, without there being consequences to that. And here, he's laying out uh, aspects of the curse. Look with me in verse 14. So, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle... And more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So all the animal kingdom was cursed, but there's a higher level of cursing that took place on this serpent because this serpent was used as a vessel for the enemy to lead to the fall of humanity. And I had a person ask that one time. I was preaching at a, I was at, well, actually, I was at a Holbrook camp meeting, and they were asking, well, why, why would God curse the snake? I mean, why would, why would that be the deal? But it was, it's a sign. It's a symbol for all of us to remember when there's a, a slithering serpent on the ground. It's a reminder of the fall of humanity. It's a reminder of the judgment of God. It's a reminder of the need for deliverance. And so he had this curse laid upon him. And then verse 15 says there'd be enmity between the children of the woman and of the serpent's children. And that's the people of God and those who are unbelievers who are under the enemy's influence. Verse 16, the woman would now have to suffer pain uh, through childbirth, but there would also be a blessing because she would also be giving life. The Bible says that her sorrow would be multiplied. And we can see down through the ages how that women have suffered very unjustly in many different societies and still are today. I remember being in um, another country uh, and we were doing a men's conference in that country and the men were talking about how that they were taught that if you beat your wife then that just shows how that you love her and uh, I, I remember you know uh, saying to one of these men I said well how about if I started hitting you would that, would that make you think oh man he loves me well that's just how silly that is but many are so mis- matter of fact it was the Lord Jesus Christ that began to change the uh, the way that many women were treated in the, in the ancient world. So she's experienced great sorrow. Then the Bible says that her desire will be for her husband. Now the challenge there, I believe, and I don't have time to flesh it all out and tell you why I believe this, but this is one of the major interpretations of this, and that is that there's going to be a real battle within her to submit to her husband's leadership in the family. And this before the fall, it was something that was just, it was very easily done, and now there's that resistance that is, that is there uh, in that. Then in verses 17 through 19, he's addressing the man, Adam. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife 
Adam knew the word of God, but he failed to obey it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And that's his job. See, work has always been a part of God's plan. But work before the fall was very fulfilling. Uh, it was very energizing. It was always successful. Now, after this, the land would not produce as it once did for the man. It would produce thorns. Now, keep that in mind as we work through this series. It would produce things that were not edible. And he would constantly be battling the soil. He would have to sweat and labor and worry. Some of you farmers are the uh, uh, strongest people of faith because of, you're, you're depending upon that, on the Lord to help with those crops every, every year. And there's still a level of this. Every human being, even though they don't till the land anymore for their living, still goes through this in providing for your family and dealing with the situations and, and sometimes lack of fulfillment in the workplace and all these kinds of things and, and suffering that you will experience all as a part of the fall of humanity. And then Adam would return to dust. He was going to die. He was fashioned from the dust of the earth, the Bible tells us, and one day he's going to return to it when he dies and he decays uh, in, in the ground. Now, uh, death came into being whenever the fall happened, physical death, but also spiritual death. Let me tell you something. Physical death always points to spiritual death. There, there's going to be a spiritual death for those who don't know the Lord as their Savior. Those who die in Christ, we experience one day a physical death, but we go on living with the Lord, and one day we will also experience resurrection the Bible teaches us. And so Adam would suffer this. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 21 that God clothed them with animal skins. This is implicit of the fact that God provided a sacrifice for their sins. And the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so it would be a temporary covering for their sin. Now, let me talk for a moment about the effects of the fall and then this cry of the curse. You may be saying, well, again, give me some more insight. What does this cry of the curse mean? The Bible tells us, just write these down, Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and following, the Word of God tells us that all of creation groans because all of creation has been subjected to the curse of sin. Everything that exists desires to be reconciled to God. The Bible even tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4, even those of us who are redeemed, the Bible tells us we groan not to be unclothed, but further clothed. What does that mean? That means we don't groan to be freed from the body where the soul goes to be with the Lord, but that's great when that happens. The ultimate groaning of, of us as saved people is to have that spiritual body that resurrection body that's no longer tainted by the curse of sin. There's a cry because of the curse. Everything yearning for deliverance. Is there anyone who can deliver from the curse? Yes, indeed. There is one. He is called in this Genesis account, He 
meaning the seed. That leads me to my second point. The Word of God teaches us this. The seed brings salvation. Now, y'all hang with me because I'm circling the airport right now. Verse 15, I want you to look at verse 15 with me. Verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And remember, that word seed can be plural and it can be singular. Now, in one sense, it's plural here. Your seed and her seed means Satan's people and God's people, basically. But then something changes here. Uh, Notice in some translations that her seed is capitalized. And then this latter part of verse 15 starts out with this with this, um, this uh, first-person pronoun here. He, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who's he? <laughs> well, he's this seed that's talked about here. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 18 that from, God tells Abraham, from your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul tells us this seed is Christ. He will crush your head. You will bruise his heel. Now, what does it mean to bruise his heel? That's the crucifixion. What does it mean to crush his head? Well, let me just tell you something. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that Christ came to destroy the works of Satan. And on the cross of Calvary, when Jesus Christ died to atone for the sins of the world, and when he got up from the dead that third day out of that tomb, that sealed the deal that our enemy is ultimately defeated forever. Now, he's he's a defeated enemy still battling along the way, but for those of us who come to know Jesus Christ through repentance faith and trust in Him and our lives are transformed by the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are freed from the slavery of sin and we are, we are freed from the course of this world. We are freed from the slavery to the, to the enemy, the serpent, the, the Satan, the, the one that's a liar and a deceiver. We're freed from Him and we become children of the living God. But there is coming a day, my brothers and sisters, When the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, the seed talked about here in the garden, the seed of Abraham, the seed that's talked about in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16 is going to split the skies and come back to this earth and he will annihilate all enemy and Satan will be crushed forevermore. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, the apostle Paul talks about this time. He says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under feet shortly. That's going to happen. And we can trust in that fact. And so he will defeat the enemy completely and totally forevermore. People are crying out today all over the world under the strain of the curse. And there's only one who can deliver them, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the only hope for any person. He is the ultimate redeemer and reconciler. And he will change all who call on him. And to understand why we celebrate this time of year, we've got to start by going all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to the beginning of time, and realize why we needed Christmas to begin with. 
is because of the curse. And from the curse came the Christ, who is the hope for all who believe in him and trust in him. Now, for those of us who are redeemed, we've come to know Jesus. We've been saved by the grace of God through faith in him. And he's forgiven us, and we still have our struggles. But he has forgiven us, and he's made us his. You know, this message today reminds us that we do not need to be living for ourselves. We have a tendency to do that. The old sin nature, even though it's been stripped of its power, it's still there. And we drift toward our own desires. We make everything about us when everything should be about him. It's not our will be done, but it's his will be done. And maybe today you're on the path of my will be done. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be focused on me. What God is saying to us is this. No, get your focus back on me. Start walking with me. Start being in awe of me again. Follow my will, not your will. Live under his lordship. Because it was the first human beings that got us in this mess to begin with by being focused on self-desires and not on the will of God. But secondly, I say to you that there are probably people in this room and those listening online right now, and you, you need to be redeemed. You're still under the power of sin. You are still under the influence of the, of the enemy right now, even though you say, well, I don't know. I, I think I'm okay. Let me ask you this question. Is all you think about yourself... Basically, do you, you want to live, I'm going to live the way I want to. I'm not going to submit myself to God in any way. I'm not going to do this or that, no matter what God's Word says. Well, listen, if that's the pattern of your life and has been, then maybe you need to be redeemed. Maybe you need to call on Jesus today, and, and He'll redeem you. I, I'm going to tell you something. If you'll call on Him today, if you'll believe that He is who He, who he says He is, and you're willing today to call on Jesus, I'm telling you, He will take your sin away. He will change you forever. You'll become a different person in Christ Jesus. We're going to stand to sing in a moment, and I'd ask you to come down and say to me or one of our uh, pastors, say, look, I, I need Jesus today. I want somebody to help me pray about this and talk to me more about this, and we're glad to do that. Others of us as believers just need to pray, Lord, don't let me be so in tune with my desires. Let me just be focused on your will. Let me focus on that. Help me, Lord, with that. And I'd say this final thing, too. Maybe some of you are saying, I need a church family, and you believe this is where God wants you to be, and I'd encourage you to make this your church home. You want to, be a, you want to identify here. You want, to, you, want to be, uh, you want to plug in and use your gifts here. I'd encourage you to come. But also, I just thought of something else I need to tell you. Everybody needs to hear this truth because... The biggest problem in people's lives is the effect of the curse. They have no hope. We have the hope. And we have the mandate from the Lord to tell them of this great hope. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this truth. I'm thankful, Lord God, for the strength and power to deliver the message today. I pray, Lord God, you've spoken to us all. And now it's time, Lord, to obey what you've told us because you've, you've, you've told us that uh, we're not to be just hearers, but we're to be doers of the Word. So I pray that's exactly what will happen now. You're just teaching us and showing us and revealing to us what needs to be done to respond in obedience to what we've heard today. 
So I just pray right now there'll be a great freedom for that to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please.